Namaste, Namaskaram, Vanakam, Namo Namaha, Jai Ganesha. Please visit our website at classicalyoga.org and there is a donate button if you would like to help us out. Today's podcast, Maya, Yama, Nama, Sivaya, Niyama. At the outset, we recognize we're using both English and Sanskrit. English is obviously a common language of communication. Sanskrit is a very specific language. By definition, the ancient Arya or noble language of the Hindus. It's a religious language. Never to confuse generalities and specifics. This is relevant in today's climate where many people use Sanskrit Hindu words without recognizing the Hindu part, like today's yoga which is a clear example of maya as illusion or deception. True, maya is often defined as illusion or deception. But more profoundly, it's the recognition of the temporary nature that is life, which can seem elusive and deceptive, or can seem to be very stable. Hence, we take life seriously, but not too seriously. Maya is recognizing that the only constant is change, but also understanding the importance of stability and foundation. Shraddha, or full faith in the dharma, or the important duties of life. Not accepting change in life is to become, if you will, a rigid fundamentalist. However, on the other hand, not accepting responsibilities and stability is to, as the cliche goes, be so open-minded that our brains fall out. Our left brain is primarily the part of our nature that seeks stability, rules, regulations, rituals, while the right brain is the more spontaneous, open, open to new discoveries, accepting change. A balanced life is knowing when to apply left and right brain. Do we not walk in a diagonal pattern? Left, right, left, right. The discipline of marching, if you will. So we learn to march to time-tested rules, regulations, and rituals that work. But then we also learn to dance with the spontaneity of life, of new discoveries. The left brain, which Hindus call the pingala, this is fully mapped out in our various yogas. The right brain, the idda. Typically, left brain is associated with the male nature, right brain with the feminine nature. This understanding would go a long way to easing the confusions of gender dysphoria, because we all have a masculine and a feminine nature, both positive and negative. Living life eventually brings more or less a balance of these two natures. Whether we're outwardly a man or a woman, and outwardly there's only two genders, but inwardly, yes, we can express feminine and masculine traits. We all have them, both positive and negative. For example, positive masculine traits, whether one is a man or a woman, is to be analytical, logical, rational, thinking. While negative masculine tendencies would be to be hard and crude, mean, intolerant. On the other hand, on the other side of the brain, 
The positive female qualities would be softness, intuition, gentleness, creativity, spontaneity. While the negative feminine side would be cold, indifferent, erratic, emotional highs and lows, depression, anxiety. With just a bit of reflection, it's clear whether we're born in a male or female body, we all exhibit these tendencies, either the positive or the negative. And a little more reflection shows that a balanced life is achieving a positive left and right brain balance of being analytical, logical, rational thinking, but also be soft, intuitive, gentle, creative. Often people come together in masculine and feminine relationships to learn about each other, ultimately learning about what's inside of each one of us. In Hinduism, we express this coming together by always including, for example, Shiva and Shakti, or Shiva and Parvati, or Sita and Ram, or Radha and Krishna, or Vishnu and Devi. But in the Saiva Hindu dharma of Hinduism, we see the coming together of both of these traits or qualities within the individual in the form of Ardhinarashvara, or Shiva Shakti in one form, half man, half woman, harmonizing left and right brain, which is developing the corpus callosum, that strip in the center that makes a strong connection between left and right brain. Now one starts to see through the Maya or the illusions of pitting masculine against feminine, pitting left against right, pitting conservative against liberal. You know, without right, there's no left. Without left, there's no right. There's a time in life to be conservative. There's a time to be liberal. There should be an equal respect of the masculine and the feminine. Maya, or illusion, has its rule over us, if you will, when we get stuck in the negatives or in the left or the right brain. Clearly, stuck in the left brain is not seeing the forest for the trees. Getting stuck in the right brain, perhaps, can be not seeing the trees for the forest. In other words, in religious circles, for sure, getting stuck in the left brain, one becomes a hard, rigid fundamentalist. There's only one way. Getting stuck in the right brain is not seeing the trees for the forest. In other words, not respecting the individual trees that make up the forest. For example, today's quote-unquote new age, it's, it's old age, egoism, of course, Clichés like we are all one, no divisions, no labels. This permeates today's spurious yoga movement, which is basically a fundamentalist universalist mindset. For the extremes of left and right brain often start to become very similar. So our perceptions and misperceptions are developed through living life. As we're all seeking balance, as we're dancing, playing the game of life, just like the gymnasts on the balance beam, trying to get one perfect 10, but spending most of one's time swaying from side to side or falling off, seeking the balance in life. But there is a wisdom to this game, this sport of life, in the Saiva Hindu Dharma, we sing a bhajan to Siva, 
Sada Lola Hara Nama Sivaya or Nama Shivaya. Sada, the truth. Lola, the swing of life. In other words, going from left to right brain, right to left, conservative to liberal, male, female, back and forth, from one extreme to the other. The truth of this swing is that it is Hara. It is destroying our ignorance. In other words, death to the many illusions, individual, societal. Hence the meaning of maya, two syllables. Ma stands for the chains, if you will. Mamala is a, a series of beads that religious people often wear around their neck, and certainly Hindus do, or their wrist. But a mala can also be a chain it's interesting. In religious circles, people often wear malas or sacred religious beads. But what happens when one commits a serious crime? They get another kind of chain. So ma or mala is the chains or the bondages of the hard ego, the undeveloped ego, the out of balance that we all experience at various points in our life. And these things are typically greed, anger, lust. These are the three stripes that the Saiva Hindus wear on their forehead of Vibhuti, the holy ash. In other words, symbolically burning up these three things, greed, anger, and lust. With a little reflection, this is the cause of many of our individual and societal problems, greed. Anger, lust. Remember, lust is excessive desire for anything. Desire is okay, but it's the excessive desires for food, power, money, sex, personality. Greed, anger, lust. Loba, kroda, kama to the Hindus. So how do we seek to eradicate these three? Well, by dana, dayadvam, damyata. Giving, compassion, control. Is it not giving that helps to negate greed? Compassion helps to negate anger. And control controls the excessive desires. I'm sure we can agree that when we're greedy, angry, and lusty, our ego has taken control. Hence, hiding the inner essence of who we truly are. This is the ya part of maya. Maya. M-A-Y-A. Getting rid of or destroying this greed, anger, and lust then reveals ya, or the true inner nature. This is what Hindus call the atmana. Others may refer to it as the soul. There is a bit of a difference, however which we've gone over in other podcasts, but essentially the soul has to do with the animating nature of life, and it is connected to the, the psyche. It's still connected to the mind. However, in the Sanskrit Hindu use of the word atmana, it literally means not the mind, this inner essence of pure consciousness, pure energy, sound energy, light energy, heat energy, which translates into the human emotion of love, 
Little reflection shows that this is the inner essence of all of us, and not just humans, but animals as well. This pure consciousness, pure energy, light, heat, warmth, love, bliss. Hindus term these qualities sat-chit-ananda, and also jyoti, shakti, ananda, shanti, love, light, and energy. Om, this are we with emotions, mind, and body. So the goal becomes death to the hard ego, the unrefined ego. Not death to the ego, that's impossible, but refining it, refining the body, mind, and emotions. So particularly the mind and especially the emotions become our best friend instead of our worst enemy. So here's where yama enters into the picture. Yama means death. It's actually a deity. It's a guru in the Hindu yoga dharma. Death to what? Death to ignorance. Death to the hard, unrefined ego. Death to greed, anger, and lust. This is a good death. This is what's meant by Shiva or Siva as the destroyer. Mother Kali. Mother Durga. Destroying the Hard ego nature, destroying ignorance. In the Vedas, the primary Hindu scripture, and the Upanishads specifically, there's a classic story of the young disciple, Nachiketa, seeking out his guru, and he's seeking out the guru of death, Guru Yama. So he goes, and he finds this little hut in the forest where the guru lives. And so he knocks on the door, no answer. So he sits all day and all night. He knocks on the door again. No answer. He sits day and night. He knocks again. He does this for three days and three nights with no answer. So what's the lesson here? That he was willing to stay there forever, basically, totally committed to the Realization that he sought. On the end of the third day and night, the door opens and there stands the guru, Yama. And did the disciple get mad and call him out? How come you didn't answer the door? No. He humbly bowed again, showing this indomitable warrior spirit. So, Guru Yama says, Ah, because you were so diligent in waiting, Three days and nights, because I am so powerful, I can give you three boons. Ask away. Just like the genie in the bottle. <laughs> Class, these are classic stories that permeate human, human mindset, human endeavors, human aspirations. So he's testing the disciple again. So Nachiketa had left home as a young boy, and obviously his family, especially his father, was extremely upset over this. Watch Indian parents when one of their children want to go away and live off in an ashram. Ooh, devastating. So the first thing that Nachiketa asks for, he says, Please, Guruji, make everything okay with my family, with my father. Let there be no animosity. Oh, so Yama thinks very good. This boy understands the wisdom of karma, doing the right thing. He says, so be it. Ask for your second boon, your second wish. Nachiketa says, teach me all about 
the Hindu dharma, all about the rituals. In other words, he's understanding now bhakti yoga devotion, being fully devoted to understanding the Hindu dharma. So be it. He says, now what is your final third boon, third wish? Nachiketa says, I desire Atma Darshana. Remember Hindus, Atma Darshana Paramo Dharma. Our supreme duty in life is to realize the Atmana. Spiritual realization, illumination, samadhi, moksha, kaivalya, liberation, freedom, calm wisdom. And Yama is testing him. He says, no, son, you don't want that. Look, I told you I'm a very powerful guru. I can give you anything that you want. I can Remember, this is um, a long time ago, so... I can give you anything you want. I can give you land. I can give you cows. I can give you maidens. Huh? So he's testing him. And each time he offers him something fantastic, Nachiketa says, no, I realize those things are just temporary. I want this Atma Darshana. So finally being fully tested, Yama accepts him as his disciple. Is this ancient story not highly relevant in any age where... We can be so easily tempted by things of the world, led astray, if you will, dominated by greed, anger, lust, power, f fame, money. So the more that we mature, do we not start to see through these things? As important as some of them are, these are the important duties of life, family, friends, taking care of oneself, business life, career, all of that. They're all temporary. There perhaps is a more important goal. It behooves all of us to just reflect for a moment that when we leave planet Earth, we don't take anybody or anything with us. So we start to come to a point when, of maturation, we realize there's more important things in life. And interestingly enough, paradoxically, if you will, these things are not clearly visible or demonstrable, such as love, kindness. They're demonstrated in how we perform acts of love and kindness, but the inner feeling and essence transcends any outer expression. Again, this is why people seek spiritual or soul realization, if you will. And to the Hindus, Atma Dashana, we realize there's something that transcends the physical, mental, and emotional. As important as they are, there is that transcendent quality within that really makes life worth living. And if we're honest with ourselves, we know that. We can only be so greedy, so angry, so lusty for so long until we, in a sense, get sick of ourselves. And clearly others may get sick of us long before that. And here's where we start to put the divine, if you will, more at the center of our life. We start to see. Hmm. Now, in the Saiva Hindu Dharma of Hinduism, and remember, in the Hindu Yoga Dharma, there are basically three Sampradayas or sects, equally to be respected. You have the Saivas, the Vaishnavas, the Shaktites. So focusing on Saivism, we see their famous Panchakchara Mantra, or their Maha Mantra, the five sacred syllables of Na, Ma, Si, or She, Va, Ya. So here's how we understand the Maya and the Yama in this classic Mantra Na, Ma, Si, Va, Ya. 
And to fully understand this, one also needs to look at the beautiful symbolic image of Siva as the dancer, the royal dancer, Nataraja. And interestingly, this was the Ishtadevata, or the chosen deity of the Saiva Hindu Guru Patanjali, who wrote the classic Yoga Sutras, sadly a work that's been so distorted today. Remember, all of real yoga is all about, honestly, the Hindu religion, Hindu Dharma. So in this classic dancer pose, which interestingly, there's an image of this found outside of the CERN Institute of Nuclear Research on the border of France and Switzerland, which contains the largest particle physics lab. Nuclear, hmm, nuclear, new way of seeing things. Remember the dynamic forces of physics are also within us. Gravity, electricity, magnetism, and nuclear, nuclear forces. So this beautiful image of the dancing Siva, Shiva, Nataraja, visually demonstrating to us the importance of balance. All dancers must have supreme balance, learning to live a balanced life. Remember Mr. Miyagi, go find the balance. Huh? Pick your ways, but then find the balance within those ways. The balance of life, the dance of creation, the balance of left and right brain. So in this beautiful image, then we understand this famous mantra, na ma si va ya. The five syllables, na standing for the concealing grace. In this image, you'll see Siva standing on a little being. That's all of us. That's our ego. Controlling the greed, anger, lust, controlling the ego, not destroying it, but controlling it. The concealing grace. In other words, not everything is revealed to us, just as we don't give adult subjects to children. We allow them to mature into various adult topics. This is the concealing grace. That's why it's a grace, because we're not ready for it yet. That's the na part. And then the ma, again, are the malas of destroying, because Shiva is often known as the destroyer. In fact, in this beautiful image, it's he is dancing within a ring of fire. Hmm. Destroying our greed, anger, lust. That's the ma, na ma. Putting now the divine at the center. The C here stands for Shiva, but you could look at it simply as to see, S-E-E, -E, or saying yes to life, see in Spanish. You could insert here the deity of your choice, perhaps. Also the inner essence, the Atmana to the Hindus, the soul, if you will. Put a divine essence at the center. To the Hindus, the Saiva Hindus, it's of course Siva. So we put Siva here at the center, the divine at the center of your life, that center balance. So having destroyed the greed, anger, lust, putting the divine at the center, we enter into the Va, which is now as things start to be revealed. And in the image, this is the upraised foot, and the little being is looking up at that. This is the epiphanies in life when we start to have these slow realizations, these inner awakenings. This is the 
revealing grace, if you will. And what's it revealing? Yah. Remember the ma, yah, is revealing your true inner essence, your true inner nature of love and light and energy, pure consciousness, pure energy, sound energy, light energy, heat energy, which translates into the human emotion of love, bliss, ananda to the Hindus. So is this not the dance of life as we mature? We don't know everything in the beginning. That's why we humbly say, Asatoma asad gamaya, tamasoma jyotir gamaya, lead me from untruth to truth, ignorance to a more enlightened state of being. We don't know everything, nah. We humbly admit that. As we work through our ma, our greed, anger, and lust, putting the inner essence, the divine, at the center, if you will, which is now going to slowly reveal our true inner nature. Na, ma, si, vaya. Very profound chant. And helps us to fully understand the syllables ma, ya, and ya, ma. Seeing through the many illusions of life, in other words, destroying these illusions. And how do we do that? Well, how do we do anything in life? We have to be fully devoted. We have to work at it. Actually, devotion is the key ingredient of life. Without devotion to yourself, to your family, to your friends, to your job, to your sport, for example, to your religion, we won't be successful. Fully devoted. Hence, now we understand niyama. Niyama is the Sanskrit Hindu word for cultivation. Yama is often viewed as simply restraint. And we start to understand the symbolism here because as the deity of death is not death, the ultimate restraint from this physical existence. So yama becomes restraint. Niyama becomes things that we cultivate. Hence, this becomes now the Hindu code of ethics or one of them made popular again by this Saiva Hindu Guru Patanjali. And is this not life in general? If we're good parents, don't we teach our children ethics, what to do, what's right, what's wrong? This continues on as we go to school, as we go on the job, as we go through various life pursuits. We strive to have an ethical conduct. Certainly this is key to all the religions of the world. They all have their ethical codes of conduct. And they all have their devotions. Now here we start to see a really interesting pattern in life. Now while devotion is really key to life, the first thing has to be a sense of ethics. Why? Because we could be devoted to the wrong thing. Hmm. So as important as devotion is, if we're devoted to the wrong thing, even for decades, well, good luck with that. It's interesting when we're conversing often with people who are distorting our Hindu yogas, they'll often say, well, you know, I've been doing quote-unquote yoga <laughs> for 20 or 30 years. Well, they've been doing the wrong thing. doesn't matter how long we've been doing something. If we've been doing something wrong, obviously the fruit is going to be bitter at best. Cultivating takes work. That's why it's wonderful to just do something that involves the earth. And it's interesting that in the Hindu yoga dharma, the yogis are often likened to farmers, if you will, kshetri kavats. Farm work, working with the earth, is so satisfying, so humbling. Remember, humility is wisdom. It's, it's totally antithetical to being humiliated. 
totally different. Humility is a sign of wisdom. It's wonderful to get down into the earth barefoot. That's why Hindus go barefoot a lot, certainly in our temples and homes. We want to feel a connection with Bhumi Mata, with Mother Earth. Feel the earth. Get your hands in it. Feel the dirt. Smell it. That earthiness. Foundational qualities. That's why in Hinduism, Ganesha is always the first deity because he's created from the earth itself in the classic story. And these stories are all wonderful, symbolic stories that are teaching great, profound lessons, as you find in all the world over. We are storytellers. That's what we do as humans. But of course, we want to differentiate between symbolic storytelling and storytelling, in other words, lying. But again, as humans, this is what we do. From oral traditions to books to TVs, videos, sitcoms, science fiction... The religions of the world are full of stories, hopefully meaningful stories, but again, never confusing what is meant to be symbolic with a certain reality. For example, when we take what was meant to be a symbolic story for literal truth, then we've fallen under the spell of Maya as delusion. For example, believing in the resurrection of a dead person where the important symbolism is missed of resurrecting from the delusion of our own ego. Dying to old ways of thinking and being reborn into a new understanding, a rational understanding, logic. Logic and reasoning. Two important qualities which are foundational to allowing our imagination to soar. Again, a balance, a harmonious balance of left and right brain. So play with Maya. Seek to understand this transitory world that we live in. And respect the guru of death. Also in the Hindu Yoga Dharma, represented by the much misunderstood Makali, the blackness of the Absolute, before creation, within creation, when it's all over. Life and death, the continual dance. Watch me move in a mystic trance. I dance on your ego, this much is true, but it's only for you to get rid of you. For when the little self you lose or purify, upon the greater self you muse. So watch me now, watch me again, and I will teach you how to end this ego tea and all the rest. And you too will live among the best, and then return the gift to all, and complete the circle, that is all. Om Tat Sat. I am the black of the fire, I am charcoal, I am Mother Kali from days of old. Through sadhana and intense tapas, I reveal myself to the sages among us, to those unafraid of the dark, to those with the courage to hit the mark, to those who serve and love true, I open the way to the peace in you. Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. Maya, 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 my friend or my enemy. Jago Utakaradeko, awake, arise, look and see, thou art that tatvam, the sea. 
Om Shanti. So we hope you've enjoyed this podcast and our numerous other podcasts on religion, spirituality in general, and certainly the Hindu Yoga Dharma specifically. And in this world of Maya, we have created an ashram where people can come and study, and we have a website, classicalyoga.org, and we have numerous podcasts for all of you to listen to. And of course, in true religious spirituality, the teachings are always given on a donation basis. That's to reinforce the wisdom of giving, but that's only half the equation, and the other part is giving in return, so the natural give and take of life. So if you're receiving some benefit from these podcasts, uh, please consider helping us out. You can go to our website and donate. And we thank you very much, and have a wonderful day in this world of Maya. Namaste, Jai Ganesha, Namaste, Namaskaram Vanakam, Namo Namaha.